Blog Talk Radio. Slow down, touch your life. Don't you know there's friends to be found? Lift your eyes and see the world. Welcome to the Sunbury Press Book Show on the BookSpeak Network. I'm your host, Lawrence Knorr, the founder and CEO of Sunbury Press. Sunbury Press publishes print, audio, and electronic books under 12 different imprints in a variety of categories sold worldwide wherever books are sold. This episode is about best-selling author Alan Mendel's new book, San Francisco Story. Daniel Stanton is addicted to sex. Christina Lambeau to crack cocaine. As a result of being arrested for one of his infrequent or one of his frequent transgressions, Daniel has already lost his wife and two teenage daughters when he comes to San Francisco to try to develop a new life. At the time he first encounters Christina, she is living mostly on the streets and in cheap hotels. The two begin a relationship and try to help each other recover in 1980s San Francisco. Alan Mendel has owned and bred racehorses for many years. His horses have raced at many tracks, including Santa Anita, Hollywood Park, Del Mar, Golden Gate Fields, Emerald Downs, Turf Paradise, Arlington Park, Tampa Bay Downs, and Canterbury Park. A former standout baseball player at the University of California, Berkeley, he won four gold medals as a sprinter in the 2012 San Diego Senior Olympics and is a world-class 400-meter runner in his age group. Alan is also the author of The Closer, The Baseball Love Story, and The B-Team, about a handicapped racehorse. All are with Sunbury Press's Milford House. Alan Mendel, welcome. Thank you very much, Lawrence. And, and, and I especially want to thank you for, for publishing my three novels. Uh, thank you to you and to Sunbury Press, uh, which actually incited me into uh, – Reinventing myself. Uh, you mentioned some of my for- good fortune uh, in recent years, and actually, uh, I've developed a, a, a talk that I present to retirement communities and to uh, uh, various clubs, um, uh, and so on and so forth, uh, called "Life Begins at 70. and and it was as a result of your publishing my novels. Uh, and my needing to uh, in, to get involved with promotion, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so that's kind of where all those things that you mentioned, or many of the things that you mentioned, have come into into being. Well, thank you. You know, I I just say you deserved it when we got your first manuscript, the closer. Uh, we were instantly hooked. I think it was very timely. Uh, there were some other baseball movies and books out there that were popular at the time. Plus I'm a big baseball fan. So, and I know you're a, you're a baseball player from Cal Berkeley. So I know we would start, I said we would start with the, the new book, but maybe we'll start with the closer since that's where we began. And I find us talking about that anyway, but tell me a little bit about your, your baseball exploits. So at Cal Berkeley back in college, uh, when you say you were Uh, a standout, I led the team in, in hitting during my junior year. I had the opportunity to play with and against uh, several major leaguers. Uh, 
uh, at the time. And, uh, and so, and, and actually you mentioned the closer and the closer is really a fantasy of mine because mm-hmm. I wanted to always wanted to be a professional baseball player. Uh, in fact, when I was a kid and the counselor asked me, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? I said, I want to be a baseball player. And, and so that was always a fantasy of mine. I wasn't quite good enough. I did have a tryout with the California Angels uh, major league team at the time. Uh, they wanted to make me a, into a switch hitter, but it was, it was too late. I couldn't, I couldn't master hitting left-handed. Uh, mm-hmm. and, so, and so I didn't pass the tryout, uh, but I still had the, the desire to to be a professional baseball player. And so 50 or 60 years later, I wrote the closer and put myself fantasy wise, right in the middle of the action as a knuckleballing, uh, uh, pitcher. Right. So that's, that's how the, how the, how the, how it came about. So, uh, uh, anyway, so that, that, that's, that's where that stands. So, so yes, I did get to play professional baseball, through my hero, uh, uh, my hero uh, Terry Landers. Right. Well, you know, you and I share. I probably millions of people have the same dream. I, if you would have asked me the same question when I was a teenager, I would have said, "I want to be a major league baseball player." And then, even <laughs> until not too long ago, uh, Jamie Moyer was still pitching, and he was older than me. And I thought, well, there's still a major leaguer who's older than me. Maybe I can make a comeback. <laughs> but, no, I think you went a little further than I did, but I did have a few moments with uh, at a baseball camp batting against Bill Spaceman Lee, although he was in his fifties at the time, and so that that was a lot of fun. Okay. Yeah, okay. but you know Jamie the closer. Moore, I remember. Jamie, yeah, I, I remember Jamie Moy really well, Lawrence, uh, because uh, occasionally I would make a bet on a baseball game, and I loved to bet. Uh, Harry Carey was the announcer for the Cubs. You, I'm yeah. sure you remember. Uh, yep. And and and, and everyone was in love with Jamie Moyer because he he threw about 30, 30 miles an hour. Okay, uh, in an era when pitchers were pitching eighty and ninety and so on and so forth. So, well, it was really cool. Uh, his years with the Phillies at the end end of his career, and he won right. a World Series. You know, and he's from Sellersville, which is not too far from Philadelphia. So he was always a Phillies fan his whole life. And uh, I just marveled watching Jamie and I I several times was at the ballpark live watching him as well. I tried to get down to his games and I had season tickets for a while for Sunday games. It seemed like they always put him out there on Sundays and uh, (laughs) it just happened to be when his turn in the rotation came up a, a bunch of times that year, but just marveled at his mastery of, uh, moving the ball in and out, up and down, and varying speeds between yeah. slow and, you know, Bugs Bunny, change and up slow. slow. Yeah. Slow and slower. It reminds yeah. me of my of my running, actually, uh, and, and some of the competition <laughs> that, I, that I face. Uh, I've always said uh, there are three, three types of speeds going on, slow, slower, and slowest. And because I'm only slow, I've done well in the in the senior Olympics, as you point out. But yeah, and 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 if I remember correctly, Jamie Moyer pitched until he was forty-seven. In other words, Tom yes. Brady has nothing on him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. They say slow and steady wins the race. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, 
you know, I can see with the closer and your interest in baseball, uh, then you go to the B team. I know you brought that to us. We published that as well. Maybe you could talk a little bit about uh, that book and your interest in racehorses. Sure. Uh, actually, I've owned and bred racehorses. In fact, I was looking at the at the entries uh, uh, earlier uh, before our conversation, and, and I want to claim a horse conceivably on Monday running at Golden Gate Fields. And to claim a horse means that you buy a horse out of a race. Right. Uh, and that's how I got into that's how I got into horse racing is is I was my, my father took me to the track when I was three years old uh, and and it's been downhill ever since as far as as far as <laughs> racing is concerned. Uh, and I've owned horses for many many years uh, and uh, I, right now the only horse I have a piece in is a is a mare at a at a farm who's uh, in fold to hopefully going to have a Kentucky Derby winner as a result of it. But uh, my dream was always to have a championship horse. I mean, who wouldn't, who wouldn't want to own a Kentucky Derby horse, uh, et cetera. I knew that that would never happen for me because with cheap claiming horses, typically that, that just won't happen. Uh, so I created my own basically in, 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 uh, in a horse called uh, one eyed bandit who, by the name has only one eye uh, and he does end up running in the Kentucky Derby. And of course, again, that's another fantasy, a uh, fictionalized and very, very enjoyable to write. Uh, and, uh, and, and I get to fulfill my fantasy as a result. <laughs> so that's, that's how the beat team came about. Yes. And I, you know, both of these books, we've been aware for quite some time that they'd, they'd both make great movies. So we're fingers crossed. Somebody shows interest in that at some point, you know, about, about the well, horse racing. We, uh, yeah. we have two horses here on the farm. Now they're not thoroughbreds. They're, uh, they're more of a pain in, pain in the butt. It's what they are. They're expensive. <laughs> they're, they're my wife's pets, yeah. but I used to bet on the okay. races uh, years ago and, actually developed a system where using the racing form and the posted odds versus the odds at the track uh, would ended up right. ahead several thousand dollars lifetime until I started on a losing streak and I couldn't explain it. And I'm like, what's going on? So I just gave up. Then it was in the mm-hmm. news that, that the races were fixed at Penn national race course near me um, and, sure. and no they, they were fixing them. And no wonder I was losing at that point. But really, really, really. So, uh, yeah, I know a little yeah. bit about claiming. So if you if you buy a horse during the race, you claim the horse, uh, you better right. have a barn. Right. Or do they have a can you pay someone to stable yeah. it, take care of it? Yeah, that's what you, you have a trainer and the trainer will actually claim the horse for you. Uh, you'll put up the money. Uh, money will be at the, at the at the track, at the paymaster's office. And the trainer can can do the the paperwork and get the horse and bring the horse to his stable or his barn at the track, and 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 I've actually had experiences where where I've never seen in person one of my horses. In fact, I had a horse about three years ago called If You Like It, um, and and I claimed her at rock bottom, and she she got good and ended up. Uh, ended up winning uh, allowance races and so on and so forth and made a lot of money for me. But I never saw her run in person uh, until she actually came to Del Mar, close to where I live. 
uh, and then I then I went out. Then I got to see her in person, uh, and actually had a horse run against her and claimed a horse from a race in which, if you like, was, if you like, it was running, and uh, and, and you, if you like, it won that race. But my horse ended up winning a race at, at Del Mar next time out, and she won by I think eight and a half lanes or something like that. So uh, you always remember the good times, but you know. Uh, yeah, sometimes, yeah. sometimes the bad times. I mean, that losing streak of yours, I'm sure, will always stick with, with you. But you had a reason. Extraces, yes. okay. Yeah, but then I never went. You know, I never went back to it after that because I didn't trust it. Uh, right. So now I recall claiming prices being like fifteen hundred, two thousand, twenty five hundred, five thousand, something like that. The the money right. wasn't big. Now that might just be this, you know, mid state Pennsylvania track. It, is that typically what they still are these days, or are we talking bigger uh, money? No, well, they've gone, they've gone up. I mean, in fact, you can claim a horse for as much as $100,000 uh, if you happen to have that kind of pocket change. Um, so, you know, uh, uh, and, 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 uh, but you can, like places like Turf Paradise and Phoenix, I think they have claiming races for 2500 uh, and so, you know, I, and I claimed if you like it for 3,200, which was the bottom price, uh, and she ended up winning a race uh, for 32,000. So yeah. that worked out nice. But, but I can also tell you about many times that things did not work out nicely. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and I always tell people if you've got money to throw away, well, yeah. there are resources. And well, so yeah, because so you, so. I'm guessing you have the claiming. You know the claiming cost, and then you have, of course, the all the barn costs. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So then you exactly. probably have to split that purse with the trainer and the jockey. Uh, that, you're right. That is correct. That is correct. So, but if you're foolish enough to bet on your horse, and I've learned <laughs> a long time ago, I never bet on my horses. That's the kiss of death. Uh, uh-huh. If I bet on a horse because I think the horse is going to do well, no way. But if I don't bet, then then and I've had horses come in as a ten, twelve, fifteen to one, whatever. And uh, but I can, can console myself because I get the winner's purse, yeah, uh, and without risking any money. So, and you know, yep. if I can if I can interject, you mentioned, uh, or I mentioned, you know, you 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 remember the good times, uh, and you mentioned my baseball career. I will never forget. Uh, how I struck out with the bases loaded, two outs in the top of the tenth, in a in a in a big game against U- University of Southern California, who at the time was the number one team in the country, and I so badly wanted to to get a hit and be a hero and so and so forth, and and uh, and and the game was in the it was in the tenth inning, it was nothing nothing, and I struck out and. The next hitter, the first hitter in the bottom of the tenth for USC hits a home run. We lose one to nothing, and I will never ever forget that. I still see the pitch <laughs> in my dreams. Yeah. Okay. So, you know how, well, you got, know how that works. I'm going to interject real quick since I see we have a little bit of time. I've got two memories that stick to me from back in those days, and one was I hit the longest home run in my high school's history up to that point. I don't know about it anymore, but. And the second one was my last plate appearance. I struck out, but it was a wild pitch. I ran to first. I was yelling at the first baseman as I was running down the line. The catcher picked up the ball. I couldn't see the catcher because I'm running away from him. He threw it over my head and down the first baseline. 
So I, I was running to second. I look over, I see the third base coach swinging his arm, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to third. So I slid into third. So there I am. It's two outs, ninth inning. We're down a run, and uh, I ended up – actually, no, there were no outs. And I'm on third base, and I stood on third base for three more outs. We could not oh, get me man. home to tie the game. And that has, that's how my baseball career ended. So I, <laughs> my last hurrah, <laughs> I'm standing on third base and just couldn't make it home. Yeah. So I guess that's a good one. And we, ne- <laughs> we never forget those things. We never forget no. those things, do we? I mean, no, we don't. Like, you know, it reminds you how yeah, close man. you can get sometimes, right? Really, so, uh, really, really. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so now you remember you brought to us San Francisco story, and this is a very different book from your other books. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you, you came up with that idea and, and the message that's in the book. What I wanted to do, as I mentioned, is, is bury my writing and get away from, you know, basic sports and so on and so forth. And so I wanted to uh, kind of test myself and see if I could come up with something that, that was unique in its own way. Uh, and so I, picked a couple of addicts to write about. I've known addicts in my life, as of course all of us have, and I wanted to show that there can be life after addiction. Um, so it's, we're not just stuck in that, in that uh, never-ending pattern. And so I wanted to kind of have a positive spin on it. Um, and so that was, that was kind of my original idea uh, and I did want to write in both first and third person, and that and that book gave me an opportunity to do so because uh, the main character's uh, daughter actually is the narrator of the book, and she, as it turns out, and and and, and she writes in first person, whereas the description uh, that she ends up giving is in third person. So and and that was fun to do. I really enjoyed I really enjoyed doing that. Uh, I have to apologize, though, uh, and I, in fact, I even question you as to whether we should uh, uh, censor it a little bit. Uh, and 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 I guess I guess if I get criticism for for being too graphic, I can go back to you because uh, you you said no, go for it, okay? And so we did, and so that's and that's where we are. And so far, the book is doing better than 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 I expected it would, given the fact that it's very difficult uh, currently to promote, as as you pointed out, uh, mm-hmm. because can't do book signings and and I can't go to my regular uh, haunts in order to in order to help promote the book. So, uh, but anyway, uh, this will pass. COVID will pass, and. and and Lawrence, we're going to have a bestseller, maybe not in 2021, but how about in 2023? Okay. Okay. Hey. <laughs> as, as, I, I'm all for that. All for that. You know, as far really? as the San Francisco story and it being a little, uh, let's just say, having some exciting moments, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I think it makes it authentic and entertaining and believable. Uh, it's so it. I mean, it, it is not a certainly not a YA novel. It's for for mature adults, <laughs> but it's uh, right. yeah. I think it it makes it makes uh, makes a lot of sense just just to leave it the way it is. And you know, when right. you think about you think about literature, uh, 
you think about entertainment, just, you know, see what's on television and what, what, what's out there now. Uh, we don't publish a lot of uh, romance oriented things, but, um, you know, and, and we, we do draw a line. So this, this certainly didn't cross that. So I think we're, oh, good. we're, we're good, good here with this. And, you know, I have Thank to ask you. you, you know, you, you named it San Francisco story. I know you're in the San Diego area. Are you picking on the city up North or how, uh, how did you well, come up? I I love, San Francisco is also a beautiful town. I know. Yeah. And I love San Francisco and I lived there for, for, for many years, actually. I went to school at Berkeley in the San Francisco area. So I love San Francisco and I was familiar with it, obviously. Uh, and, and so it, it just felt a right to set it there. And, and I enjoyed uh, that process. And by the way, I warn people that it is X-rated. Okay, I always make make that warning, and and most people respond, "Oh, good." Okay. Yeah, especially the people in the we nursing homes, right? <laughs> really, really. Well, it's amazing. No, no, it's amazing because nobody cares, you know. I mean, it's, yeah. it's so. And, and and as you said, it makes it authentic. And so I think that that's the that that's the main ingredient. So the other thing that I found interesting is this, you know, this is set back a bit in time. What what year or years would you say most of that story occurs? The the basics I think is 1987. Uh and that's when AIDS was uh in, was significant HIV and so yeah. on and so forth and so and 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 that was on a lot of people's minds at the time. And again, to make it authentic and to, you know, to uh, add to the story, you might say, um, uh, that, that, that that was an appropriate time to, to use. And I think that, yeah. that was probably motivation, ultimately. I remember taking a look at it and thinking this, and I didn't know exactly what time frame it was, but reading it, I thought this must be the, the late 80s. There's no cell phones. Right. Nobody's texting. There's no internet. Right. Um, right. You know, there's right. people talking on the phone. There's, you know, television and so forth. I remember some of the technology in it. I kind of pick up on that. And, but yeah, this right. is, so he's done a good job of, of, <laughs> he did a good job of historical fiction uh, as well by getting Thank the setting, the setting and the time frame right. There were no so, payphones. There were payphones. Yeah, there were payphones. There were payphones. There were. And so yeah, yeah. and so that's a whole different era. So uh, yes. Anyway, and it was and it was fun to write, Lawrence. Uh, as it turned out, it was fun to write because uh, I really liked the female character, Christina. I really liked her, and 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 when people ask me, well, how did you get involved with writing, and what well, you know, it's kind of lonely and that sort of thing. And 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 the way, my answer is usually well my characters have more interesting lives than I do, and I want to go with them every day and see what they're going to do and let them do what they're going to do, and so uh, you know and 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 just to give to give you a little more insight uh, ultimately I actually am and and am teaching creative writing classes now oh, okay. as a result of your publishing my novels okay. Uh, as a published novelist, uh, uh, I've been able to broaden out and so on and so forth. And I always tell my 
my uh, students, uh, uh, have fun with your characters. Let them do what they're going to do. You create them, but, you know, turn them loose and, and have fun with them. And so I think that that resonates. And I know you do a tremendous amount of writing yourself. Yeah. Uh, how many uh, – I know we've been talking about me, but how many, how many books have you, have you published? Well, where I've been an author, a co-author, uh, yeah. I think it's around yeah. 25 or so. But understand, <laughs> I'll emphasize co-author because – I tend to organize his history writing projects with co-authors. So most of my books, I have somebody else also carrying at least half the load, but I do have mm-hmm. several books that I've done, done myself. And I try to do one every other year where I'm this solo author, but it, it's tough right now. No yeah. wonder you don't have any time for betting on horses, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wish I'd say, could say I've made, making more on my books than, than horses. But, uh, you know, that my, my bestseller is still ahead of me too. Hey, uh, of course. That, that's really of course. cool that you're, you're teaching creative writing and, and that the school or the students think we're a legit publisher as well. So that's always nice to hear that, uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. you know, that, that your work is, is given that credibility. That's wonderful. Um, thank you. Yeah. You know, we have a few minutes left for about three minutes here. Uh, what are you working on now? Uh, well, actually, uh, because of, of my intended variety, and I hope you'll consider this, but uh, with with a good friend, I have written a couple of children's stories. And in fact, and in fact, I carried the one-eyed horse into a children's story uh, with a boy who also, and 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 that was off of the B team as well. There's a boy with only one sided eye and the horse and the boy get together. The, the boy is complaining. The horse is, you know, uh, he, he's the man and so on and so forth. And so, and so uh, we made that into a, into a nice children's story. So I hope you'll consider that at some point. Uh, and, and, uh, and I've written a couple of other children's stories again with it, with the idea that, that as you suggest, a little variety, a little crossover, and so on and so forth. So yeah. anyway, you're not answering. Yeah, you didn't say, yeah, send it to me right <laughs> away. <laughs> children's, children's books are tough. Yeah, children's books are tough with, uh, you know, especially if it's a color picture book. The uh, the economics don't work out real well for a short run or, you know, low volume book. Now, if it if it could turn into a high volume book, then yeah, then they could be very profitable. But it has different economics right. to it, so it's, it's a little tougher. Of course, of course. Of course. Are you making any appearances? Uh, anything lined up despite COVID? Uh, well, I will do a, an appearance at uh, Warwick's Bookstore in La Jolla, which is uh, which, which where, I, where I've gone uh, the prior for the, with the prior two books. Uh, but again, I'm a little leery of COVID, and I want to take my best shot as we go. Um, yeah. So, and, but I do have some some plans. Uh, I'm actually in touch with uh, with Alcoholics Anonymous uh, in terms of uh, conceivably either buying an advertisement uh, in in uh, their their monthly publication, a magazine, or actually writing a story uh, uh, for them as well as well. So, so. Uh, 
it, it, it's kind of underground now. I can't use my regular sources. Uh, the, the the Rotary clubs and the and the and the uh, retirement communities are not are not accepting people right now. They're not even having meetings, and so and so I'm a little bit handicapped uh, as a mm-hmm. result now. But uh, we'll get with it when when things open up. Um, Alan, being my, we are please. We are at, we are out of time, believe it or not. It's been great having you on. Thank you for having me, Lawrence. We'll have you back really with the it. next book. We've been please, talking to Alan. <laughs> We've been talking to Alan Mendel, the author of the San Francisco story. This has been the Sunbury Press Book Show on the BookSpeak Network. Be sure to check out our books at www.sunburypress.com. Or search for our titles on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other booksellers worldwide. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are hundreds more available on the BookSpeak Network. You can find our channel on blogtalkradio.com.